Coming up on Eagle Eyes on Tech, WWDC has come and gone. We need to talk about the Mac Pro, the Mac Display, in addition, Google Stadia, and what to look forward to at E3. All that and more coming up. Good evening, or to him, good already. This Eagle Eyes on Tech. I am Eagle Falcon. So, still some things to get worked out in the audio department. But, at least I know you're awake. We're going to try and find positives today. That, that's the name of the game today, is to find positives. We have concluded the WWDC announcements from Apple. And everyone is taken aside. Either, App- either Apple is just mind-blowingly amazing and you're just not part of the market that Apple is trying to target, or... Apple is hilariously alienating everyone, and they're out of touch with everyone, and I hate that display. I do not fall on either side of these things. You, you know, you may not know this. I do try to take a middle-of-the-road approach when it comes to Apple. It has not seemed like that for years. Because it has been excruciatingly difficult to find positives in the Apple lineup. Between the iPhone taking a turn for the, we're going to have you try to endure this massive chunk missing out of your display, to the iPad Pros not only not being a pro product, but being more fragile than the consumer product, while providing almost no benefit, to all of their laptops having hilariously failure-prone keyboards that are super expensive to repair, and to other products just being mediocre. It's been hard to recommend Apple products to anyone recently. The only thing they've had going for them is software. The software has been great. And... I I had to I have to this this is actually a little awkward for me to admit. I've had an iPhone for 3 years. I recently switched and began the quote-unquote rehabilitation back to Android with a Samsung Galaxy S10. I'm not going to lie. I'm I'm missing a lot of what the iPhone had to offer. I'm missing the thing it did with the keyboard, with the 3D touch. And I'm missing a couple of the apps that were iPhone exclusives. And despite a lot of Android experts I've talked to saying, oh yeah, you can totally do that on Android, I cannot, for the life of me, find apps that replace the apps I used to use. I might actually end up in a year and a half 
relapsing back to an iPhone. Probably a used one, though, because the current iPhone screen and the price tag, yikes, is just unbearable. I'm rambling, aren't I? Let's actually get to the announcements. We're going to talk about the software, because the software actually is some good stuff. And in fact, I took down notes. Something I almost never do. So, first things first, they started the announcements with tvOS. This is the operating system they use for the Apple TV. There's pretty much only two things to talk about with this. First off, Apple is finally acknowledging that multiple user accounts on a device that a lot of people share is a good thing. No. Really? So multiple users are in fact coming to tvOS. So let's so let's say you had you know you know you had a standard standard fa- family father what fa- father wife two kids or whatever all right you could have one account one account for the adults and one account for 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 the lo- and one account for the little ones and it'll actually recommend what to view to each of those accounts and have account controls good now, honestly, to me, I'm kind of surprised this wasn't a feature already, but good. We're doing some common sense changes. The bigger thing, though, is an update to the tvOS regarding Apple Arcade. Apple Arcade is the subscription service that's going to be on all platforms That allows you to pay a monthly subscription and be able to download from a suite of games. It's basically like a Netflix for games, except contrary to what everyone wants to say, the compute for the games is done locally. That means the Mac, the iPad, the iPhone, or the Apple TV will be doing the compute. It's not like Google Stadia, which by the way we'll be talking later on today about. There is no supercomputer in the cloud doing the gaming. So, you know, it's it's all not really indie titles, but indie quality, which isn't a bad thing. It just means, you know, don't expect 4K real-time ray tracing, 240 frames per, se- per second, bleeding cutting edge first person shooter quality from the Apple Arcade. That's that's not what you're going to get here. You're going to get games like Shantae, which is the first one that pops in my head cuz I know that is a title that is going to be on the Apple Arcade. I'm getting sidetracked though. You know it's coming to tvOS. And tvOS is going to have support for the Xbox One S controllers and the PS4 controllers. You are not going to have to use that little touchpad, few button remote control thing as the controller. 
So the Apple TV is trying to take further steps to trying to be a game console. Which I should point, I should have put massive air quotes around the word game console. Because the Apple TV, I'm pretty sure, has less gaming horsepower than the Switch. But either way, it's still big news. And we'll be able to look forward to that in fall, when the Apple Arcade's actually out. So there you go. Some love for the tvOS. Which, until recently, was just kind of shoved in the corner for a few years and kind of forgot about, but occasionally liked... Don't worry, Apple TV users. We know you exist, kind of, sort of, but not really. So after that, Apple Watch. The Apple Watch, despite being almost a meme product, is actually getting some updates that actually are kind of important. The first feature, however, they showed off is not. The new version of watchOS will have a feature that lets it buzz on the hour. This sounds like a nothing. Why did you waste my time telling me about that is what you're thinking, right? You want to know why I'm wasting your time talking about why about how the Apple Watch is going to be able to buzz on the hour. Because Apple wastes 10 minutes of my life telling me about how the watch is going to buzz on the hour. Hooray! My watch will vibrate once an hour. Whee! If you also said it, it'll also do an audible chime on the hour. So you too can look forward to those business meetings you're going to go to where that one twit, where that one twit is going is going to forget to turn that off in the meeting, and you can look forward to birds chirping at noon during your eleven thirty meeting. You know it's going to happen. You know it's going to happen. Anyway, the the latest Apple Watch update or WatchOS update will support apps being only on the phone. That no watch or no no watch, no phone will be required. So we're getting more and more closer to the to the future of the Apple Watch just being its own product and not needing a phone. I mean, it's not there yet, but it's getting closer. The App Store also coming as a standalone app to the watch is also a huge step towards the Apple Watch not requiring a phone. And then on top of that, the Apple Watch also got a whole bunch of little minor updates to the to the to the operating system and yes i'm going to save you the um the 10 minute presentation about flow tracking on the apple health app i'll, I'll save you that so 
and Rabbit Amoeba actually does po- point out, uh, people actually will be looking forward to the ability for the watch to vibrate on the hour as a method of keep, uh, keeping time. And I admit, it's a nice feature. It is not a feature that should have taken up 10 minutes of a two-hour presentation. Like, that's the thing that annoyed me more than anything. It was such a minor update, and it consumed so much time. The App Store being on the watch took up less time than the announcement of haptic chimes. Whee! All right, moving on. Let's actually talk about iOS. Because a lot of people only pay attention to WWDC to find out what software update is my phone going to get. Because unlike Android, iPhone actually does get its updates on time. And yes, that is still the biggest knock I have against Android. And that's probably the biggest knock that I would say every uh, every Android fanboy has against Android. Getting your updates on time is awful. Just just awful. But I digress. We're, we're moving on to, to a completely different topic. So, Face ID is promising to be faster. I think that's been an update to every single iOS version since the dawn of FaceTime. In fact, there might have been a few iOS versions that even before FaceTime was a thing, or Face ID was a thing, that they said you'd have faster Face ID. It's just always there. They're also promising the downloads for for apps and the updates are going to be 50 and 60% smaller. So if you're getting over-the-air updates when you don't have Wi-Fi, it'll consume less data and also just be cleaner in general. So those of you who have lower-cost iPhones, raises hand as person in that group, if you went and load load up your phone with a ton of stuff, you won't have to worry about deleting as much of your stuff in order to take an update. Which still feels... As a guy who goes goes out of his way to make sure he has plenty of extra data space to just, like, store various this and that's whenever there's any sort, sort of thing that needs to be done... It feels weird having that problem on a phone. But anyway. That's good news. More efficient updates, downloads, all that. Dark mode is going to be available system-wide on the iPhone. That is a big deal. At least to me. Maybe a lot of you don't care. But, you know, waking up in the middle of the night to an important text from family, the last thing I want to do is open up the messenger app going, open it up and then instantly have my eyeballs seared wide awake as the bright white background of your texting app 
completely blinds you at three in the morning for whatever important text you had to get. Which hopefully was actually important. So I, for one, welcome our dark mode overlords. In addition, Swipe Keyboard is now native in iOS. Good. On a, I mean, I love Swipe Keyboards, even though Swipe Keyboards end up being the main reason why I make typos and have hilariously inaccurate messages in either chats or text messages or emails. It is just such a much quicker way to get to just type out. You know, when it doesn't start doing crazy things like uh, I'm on my flamingo or something weird like that. And on top of that, the, the let's let's be honest. No one can tell me there was a good third-party solution. To get swipe on the iPhone. I've tried four different swipe keyboards. All of them were the highest rated. They all sucked. They were serviceable. But they sucked. So, and also, Apple Maps will officially have totally not Google Street View. So you know how Google Street View works? You can just press a button and you're viewing a, a section on the map from the street level. Well, Apple Maps now has that. Except it's smoother, according to Apple. But it's not Street View. Totally not Google Street View. Totally not. But it is. There will also be an ability which, oddly enough, Samsung already has, for you to be able to sign into various apps by saying sign in with Apple and have that automatically locked to your fingerprint or your Face ID. Instead of, say, signing with Facebook, which you absolutely should not do. And I've been saying that before all the Facebook breaches. Or sign in with Twitter and all that sort of jazz. You'll have an OS level of signing in. And it's just called sign in with Apple. And it's probably the better way to go. And finally, one iOS update that is interesting. And I kind of wish that... um. I had this feature now with, say, one of my other Bluetooth headsets. AirPods will read out text messages when you receive them. Now, of course, that's, an, that's a feature you can toggle on and off. But as someone who works with a headset on and usually has some kind of audio feeding through it so I'm not going literally insane while working around heavy machinery, 
with my boss texting me and emailing me from time to time with important info, I would love this feature to be able to just hear, Hey Eagle, we need to make sure we get this thing on the truck now. Although that being said, now that I said that I do that at work and had this feature enabled, people would just start texting me terrible things. I mean, not terrible, but it'd be very prankish things. I could totally see that. Now people are are um are are, are saying say in the chat, you're you're just gonna have a whole bunch of sweet nothings uh, whispering in your ear. A whole, a whole bunch of spam texts. I fortunately don't get any. I only get scam calls and spam calls. I don't think I've... I haven't gotten... Alright, I take that back. I have gotten a couple spam text messages. They are nowhere near as common as you would think. I've gotten like one in the last four months. And oddly enough, it was like the comical hot singles in your area sort of text. It was pretty funny. But now that I've now, now that I've said that I've done that, I could totally see a, a a friend like start texting me like weird things while they know I'm at work, just to have a text to speech just mess with me like that. Anyway, I'm giving too many people too many ideas. It doesn't matter though, because I don't I don't have AirPods or an iPhone. I think AirPods would actually just fall out of my ear anyway. So you notice while I was talking about the iOS updates, nothing was mentioned about the iPad. That's because the iPad now has its own operating system. iOS has officially been branched and the iPad now just has its own operating system officially on paper as opposed to just being iOS for iPhones or iOS for the iPad. It is now called iPad OS. Which, will, which might make you giggle a little bit. So what's different? The home screen can now have a more customizable grid, including having on-screen widgets. Something that Android users have enjoyed for a very, very long time. And that I totally don't have on my, on my home screen right now. I totally don't have a nice, convenient widget on my home screen that has the time, the date, the the battery life, and another one for the weather. I totally don't have that. Right on my home screen. It's nice to see that a- Apple is totally coming up with their own idea that Android hasn't had forever. But anyway. Multiple Windows is getting better support as a result of this. And... There is now a better file manager in iPadOS. 
Yes, a file manager so that you can manage the files on your computer that's supposed to be able to replace a laptop. I can't help but both kind of nod happily that this sort of feature exists on the iPad and also shake my head at going, wow, I'm praising Apple for including a file manager. The most basic of features that's been on computers since the freaking dawn of time. And yes, that file manager, one of the things they toted, now has column view allowing the ipad os file manager to finally be on par with windows 3.1 now in fairness to the ipad os there is also a better download manager as well for safari so technically i guess the iPad has has officially caught up to Windows XP as far as how usable of a computer it is in the modern era. And yes, you can, in fact, use a thumb drive on your iPad. If it's the super bendable iPad Pro. It would be amazing to actually see, hey, look, Apple's actually like embracing standards and and all this sort of jazz. I should be praising this. But the problem is that it's only supported on literally the worst iPad they've ever made. And before any Apple fanboy tries to email me and say, you just don't get it. It's a tablet. It's not going to take the kind of abuse that a phone would. It doesn't matter that it's thinner and, and more fragile and whatnot. Except for the part where they've bent and broken in transit. I'm sorry, but if you bought an a, a current iPad Pro when it was new, I forgive you because you didn't know just how fragile this is. But if you buy one now, then you might actually still don't know. But it, you, it's still just, it's known. It's known that this iPad is just hilariously fragile. And the fact that it has the word Pro behind it, implying that this is a professional piece of equipment is hilarious and an insult to the word pro. I'm getting off on a, t- on a tangent again. We need to go, go back to reality. All right, finally, iPadOS does, does have support for both mouse and keyboard. So yes, you can hook up a mouse to your iPad. A feature that Android has had I think since the dawn of time. But again, I, I digress. Alright, let's get to the final announcement software-wise. 
the new macOS version, which I actually forgot what it was called. I actually didn't write down on my notes what it was called either. Like, honestly, the macOS update didn't really have a whole lot. There's pretty much three notes. One, you can now find your Mac. There's been a feature on on uh, the Mac ecosystem for a while called Find My iPhone that let you find your iPhone or your iPad if you lost it. It's actually a really, really nice feature. I'm not going to lie. Like, no joke. It is a legitimate helpful feature. But now you can use it to find your Mac. So if you lost your laptop, you can locate that, lock it down and whatnot remotely, which is nice. And if you somehow lost your 27-inch iMac or your giant Mac Pro or some other computer that you somehow lost, you can lock those down and locate where they were. Um, okay then. There is also a new feature called Sidecar, a feature that I can't believe took them this long to come up with. Sidecar allows you to use an iPad as a second display for anything running Mac OS. And for those of you listening to the audio version, yes, the chat wasted almost no time to make the joke, where's my cheese grater? The answer is, of course, in the kitchen or your studio. It's one of the two. We'll get to the cheese grater. Don't worry, don't worry. I have words for the cheese grater. But Sidecar allows you to use your iPad as a second display for any Mac. This is actually especially helpful if you're using a Mac laptop. Hopefully an older Mac laptop. Which actually might give you more of a professional feel being able to use multiple screens I'm not gonna lie I wish I could actually just go get a get get like a regular Android tablet and use that as a second display for my precision laptop that actually be nice ooh well that being said I probably should just get a second display but but anyway getting distracted so that's a nice feature and then Finally, the last thing to mention about the new macOS version, and this is something that was that I've talked about on the early bird briefing, and this annoyed me to no end, the way this was reported. I think I even talked about it in last week's Eagle Eyes on Tech. The rumors were true. I'm not going to say iTunes was killed, because that's inaccurate iTunes has been split and rebranded. There is now going to be an Apple Music app, which is basically Apple iTunes. Apple Podcasts, because Apple Music no longer has the podcast feature. And the Apple TV app, because movies and TV shows have been stripped out of iTunes. 
This isn't an attempt to, first off, A, streamline everything, and then B, to unbloat iTunes. Because they are realizing that one piece of software requiring 700 gigabytes of RAM is not a good idea. For those of you who couldn't tell, I am joking. iTunes doesn't take quite that much RAM, but not by much. So yeah, iTunes is, with massive air quotes, dead. And all that sort of jazz. Now, someone in the chat just made the point of, it's to make more money, too. No, it's not. Apple Music, Apple Podcasts, and Apple TV will be free in the macOS free update. Honestly, they didn't really give a reason to do this. But really, I think it's just to make things simpler. And also to mirror them doing the exact same thing on the iPhone. Now, this is just what they're doing on the Mac OS. And it just mirrors what they've done on the iPad and the iPhone. I don't know if PC versions of this software are going to be coming. We don't know yet. Now, that's not to say that Apple's goal isn't to make money. Oh, they want to make money. Let's talk about how they're going to make money. Let's talk about the cheese grater. Yes, the Mac Pro has been has been redesigned. The old Mac Pro was a trash can, and then in between the trash can Mac Pro and this one was the iMac Pro, which was trying to shove workstation class hardware into a form factor you couldn't service ever. The new Mac Pro is in fact a full tower. The front of it looks like a cheese grater, just like the Power Mac G5, and just like the first, second, third, and fourth gen Mac Pros. This should be a surprise to almost no one because the perforated front is great for airflow. The actual internals of this are pretty respectable. It is running Xeon W processors. We suspect it's going to be the 3000 series Xeons that aren't out yet. But we do know that those same Xeon 3000 series processors perform the exact same as the Xeon 2000. Except they have 6 channel memory instead of quad channel memory. The graphic card options are odd. It starts with a Radeon Pro 580X, which is a $200 GPU with almost no power in it whatsoever. 
and can have either a ve- either a single Vega 2 card or a Vega 2 Duo, which is a GPU card with two Vega 2 GPUs on it. What's a Vega 2? Isn't that a good question? That's a GPU that AMD made for this machine only. Yes, if you're hoping to get a Vega 2 Duo for your system at home, too bad. You have to go and get a better GPU than that because you're not going to be able to get that GPU. Which honestly made trying to build equivalents to the Mac Pro very difficult. But in any case, this can, this thing can go up to a 28-core Xeon W processor, up to a terabyte and a half of RAM, up to a colossal amount of storage that's almost irrelevant because this thing uses standard PCI Express expansion. So you could, in theory, just spec this out pretty much however you want. And the device starts at $6,000. And this price has single-handedly split, quote-unquote, the internet in two. You have one half of the internet... That goes, that is way too high for, expected for any person to buy. That's way too expensive for, for any PC tower. That's, that's crazy. You could build better, better for half the price. And the other half says, you're not the target market. This, this is a great thing, and it's, you're just not the target market. This is meant for content creators. The latter half is correct. This Mac Pro is clearly targeted at the same customer base that demanded the Power Mac G5 back in the day. This is targeted at the big, underline, big movie creation studios. And it's made more obvious by the fact that Apple went out of their way to say one of the expansion cards they will offer is a video encoding card. Everything about this machine screams that they want the Adobe Premiere crowd back. Because for over five years, they flipped that crowd off. For over five years, between the black trash can and the iMac Pro, 
they told them to go pound sand. And instead of pounding sand, they just switched over to HP machines. They switched over to Dell machines. Or they went and built their own PC. And just said, fine, I'll go learn how to work Premiere on the PC. Now, here's the thing. Yes, you can build a better machine using a Threadripper, using a Core i9. You, with, you can easily build a better machine. The thing is that when you're talking about the workstation market, what matters the most is certification that the parts will work. That's why almost every workstation in existence uses a Xeon processor, uses an Epix processor, uses a Fire Pro card, uses a Radeon Pro, uses a Quadro card. It's because those parts, although astronomically more expensive, have the certification that they will work with your with your with your um with your software. Now, let's talk about the internals, because chat's already getting ahead of me. Internally, there are seven 16x PCI Express slots. Four of them are double width, but are still terribly spaced. Two of them also have what are called MPX slots. Uh, 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 uh. Someone's trying to correct me in chat, and I'm not wrong. It's not eight. It's seven. It's seven 16X slots because that top one is an 8X slot. That top slot exists for only one reason. That little 8X slot that they're trying to say there's there's eight, not that they're trying to say is eight, It only exists to give you two Thunderbolt ports and two USB-A ports. So, let's not fall for the same trap that almost literally everyone else did. There's seven. There's seven PCI Express slots, because that top one doesn't count. (laughs) In fact, there's actually even less. Because... The bottom four are double-spaced, and two of them also have what Apple is calling an MPX connector. This MPX connector pretty much only exists to provide power for cards that consume more than 75 watts. You could probably guess where this is going. Those extra connectors only exist... To have the Apple proprietary cards. And these cards, you think, would take up two slots. They take up four. These cards take up four P. 
PCI Express slots. And it is all for cooling. The way the cooling works in this machine is that it has four fans in it. Three big fans in the front to pull air in through the perforated front and blast it through the main chamber of the machine. And then one squirrel cage fan on the other side that is used to pull air across the SSD, or the SSDs and also the RAM. And people are also talking about the heat sink for the, the, the heat sink for the Xeon processor, the cheese slicer. That's the other thing that kind of surprised me. The amount of space that they have between the fins in the Xeon processor heatsink is massive. I'm no stranger to enterprise-level cooling. Heck, my streaming setup has not one, but two certified workstations. And these use the exact same style of cooling. They have multiple fans on the front. They suck air in. They blast it through the heatsink of the processor and out the back. And the fins are much, underline, much more dense. Now, in fairness, the two HPs I have here also have a fan mounted on the heatsink. But even my rack mount workstation doesn't. And that also has much denser fins. I don't get what's with this heatsink. It does not look efficient. I still think it'll get the job done. But the cooling can just be so much better. I mean, as everyone says, it looks like a cheese slicer. There is a cheese slicer... Inside the cheese grater. The fin density that they use on this thing, I would actually expect from a passive heat sink. One that revolves around convection. Where it just heats up the air and just lets the air naturally rise out of the heat sink for cooling. I hope... For the sake of these professionals, there is a denser heat sink built for the 28-core variant of this machine. Because it might actually legit overheat. Now, the graphic cards themselves also do not have any fans on them. They are basically passive. They have about the same kind of fin density as the CPU. And then the three big fans in the front of the cheese grater suck air in, blast it through the GPUs, and cools it that way. Now, you might think there's no way that's going to work. It'll work. I'll tell you right now, it'll be fine. 
it's actually not all that uncommon for certain GPUs to be passively cooled like that and rely on the case cooling, the main air intakes on the fans to supply the air, to supply the actual, the actual fans. Now, those also use much denser fins and also are designed for servers which have much higher RPM fans. The three fans that the Mac Pro are using do have a much bigger hub. They probably can spin to be very loud and move a ton of air. But I doubt they're going to be doing that all the time. That also might be why their quad thickness is to do just that. But in any case, we're getting a little sidetracked. This puts our maximum config at 28 cores, 1.5 terabytes of RAM, and 4 Vega 2 GPUs. We don't know what that configuration costs yet. We assume it's going to be $30,000, $40,000. But we don't know yet. What we do know is that the base config of 8 cores, 3.5 gigahertz with a pitiful 580 GPU and 32 gigs of RAM starts at $6,000. Now, any of you who built PCs know you can beat that. You know you can beat that easy peasy. But when I went to go spec out machines to beat it, I wanted to make sure that these machines I spec'd out we're also workstation class certified to compete with the Mac Pro. So, how do they measure up? So first we turn to the Dell Precision 5820 tower. This is also a single socket workstation. The one I priced out includes a 3.7 gigahertz 8-core system with 32 gigs of RAM. We're going to get to the SATA slots, by the way. The SATA slots actually annoy me. I have it specced with a Radeon Pro WX7100. That was the closest I could get to the same performance of the 580. 32 gigs of RAM, and the same 256 gig NVMe SSD. The price of the Dell is $4,868. So the Apple tax there is roughly $1,100. Oh, and by the way, the Dell one has even more expansion and also front-loaded hard drives four front-loaded hard drives that you can replace on the fly HP the system I priced out is pretty much exactly the same as the Dell that one is available for $4,807.60 that particular model is the HP Z4, and I want to make sure I get the generation number right. 
G4. Apple tax against the HP, $1,200. Lenovo could not compete. I don't know what the heck Lenovo is smoking, but they did not offer a workstation with the same Xeon W that Dell and HP could. The same thing with Fujitsu. They did not offer one either. So there you go. For $1,200 less, actual workstation. If you really like the perforated front look, go with the Z4. But then there's other oddities about the Mac Pro. Like, first off, although they pushed their proprietary cards and whatnot, you can, in fact, bring your own GPU as long as an AMD GPU. There are ports on the inside to connect 6 and 8 pin auxiliary connectors. So you could just pop in a Radeon 7. If NVIDIA support ever came in, you could just pop in an RTX Titan. And they'd probably cool themselves better because they have active cooling directly on the card. And you'd probably save space because those would be dual slot cards. But here's the really weird one. On the motherboard of the Mac Pro... There are two SATA ports, but no SATA power. Nor is there any mounting for any kind of SATA hard drive. If you'd want mechanical, big hard drives... You're hooking up externally. Why are the why is the SATA ports there? What am I gonna do on my six thousand dollar workstation? Have freaking SATA just like just lazily and clumsily just come out of the back of the system, go to a bare hard drive, and have the bare hard drive plugged into the wall? Like, this would bother me a lot less if the SATA ports weren't even on the motherboard. Why is this there? Maybe some third party will come up with something. Maybe someone's already working on, like, some sort of cute little hot swap thing that goes in one of the PCI Express ports. And that requires one of those SATA ports. I don't know. But as far as we know, those two SATA ports on the motherboard serve no purpose. And, of course, Apple's T2 chip is still there, which means there's going to be some cute little incompatibilities with certain third-party accessories. Yay. So, 
So that's the Mac Pro. So let's move on to the monitor. The Apple XDR 6K display. Oh boy. So this was a really weird one to compare. Um, someone in the chat asked, does the PSU have a, um, a SATA power? No. There are no cables. The only way to get SATA power to it is if you found a way to convert a GPU 6-pin to SATA power. There is no Molex, there is no SATA power anywhere in the case. But anyway, so Apple showed off this 6K 32-inch display that they tried to compare to OLED $30,000 studio monitors. So first off, let's be honest for a second. Apple, your LCD does not compare to those monitors. You want to pretend it can. But you know, anyone willing to shell out thirty thousand for that for that OLED monitor is gonna still do it because it's OLED. You know that's the case. In fact, really, the closest that their their monitor comes to is the Dell UltraSharp thirty two eight K monitor. I actually hunted down a lot through Lenovo, through Fujitsu, through <laughs> and even Acer. Through all of them, trying to find anyone having a 6K monitor or higher. The highest most people go is 4K. Dell's the only one with 6K. Their 6K monitor, which has... their I'm sorry, their 8K monitor, which has very close specs to Apple's 6K monitor, sells, when I first looked it up, for $5,000... And actually, since the Apple monitor came out, they now cut it down. At the time of recording this, it is $3,899. So, $4,000, basically. And their monitor comes with the stand. And yes, it is certified accurate color for video editing. And yes, it is an 8K monitor. So it's a higher resolution than Apple's 6K monitor. Apple's 6K monitor, which obviously is intended for content creation, I'm not going to deny that, costs $5,000 for the panel only. You need to shell out an additional $200 for a VESA mount to mount it to whatever awesome ergonomic monitor arm you have. Or, if you want just a desk stand, you need to shell out... You already know the number I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say, but still sit down anyway, just for funsies. $1,000 for the stand. For the stand that doesn't even have height adjustment. 
$1,000. I'm sorry. It's just, what the heck? It's absurd. Not to mention obscene. To be asking $1,000 when your competition includes the monitor stand for a similar product. And I'm not going to say it's the same because the Dell UltraSharp monitor has 2000 more pix or has 2000 more resolution on one side. And yes, I do remember people in the chat are saying, "Do you remember the design by Apple book?" I remember it. And I know it's that kind of elitism that leads to a $1,000 monitor stand. But I'm not talking about elitism. I'm not talking about the pride of having an Apple product. I am talking about a company making professional tools for professionals. And thinking it is okay to make a stand that doesn't even have height adjustment. A feature that professional monitors have had since 2004. And charging $1,000 for that. Like, oddly enough, the $5,000 monitor, I don't have as much of a problem with. I have a problem with them comparing to $30,000 monitors because it feels like comparing apples and oranges just because of the display technology alone. But comparing it to a much more similar product, I'm sorry, the similar product wins. And admittedly, the similar product just cut its price because they know the Apple XDR monitor exists. But it is just inexcusable. So there. That concludes my thoughts on the Apple announcement. There it is. All on the table. I'm happy to see that Apple actually put forward a decent effort at making a professional product. This Mac Pro, don't get me wrong, is much closer to being a real professional workstation than the iMac Pro or the Black Trash Can, which were both absolute utter jokes for professionals. They just weren't even competitive. The prices are high. They are much higher than Apple was in the past. But in the end, it's Apple. You know you're going to be paying a premium for that Apple logo. The Apple tax is definitely back. And hey, at least this is a Mac Pro that if someone called me up and said, Hey, Eagle, I need you to come out here now and help me with this Mac Pro tower. I have a better chance of being able to fix it in the field than I did with the trash can, which I'd say 
your SOL, go to, go to an Apple store and expect to get it back in two weeks. Or the iMac Pro, where I'd say the exact same thing. Anyway, we are way late for a break. I have been ranting on this for an hour and four minutes. We'll be back. Welcome back, Eagle Eyes on Tech. I'm Eagle Falcon. So, uh, that's enough of Apple. Normally, I start off these podcasts by talking about exploits. But I've been holding back all the the Apple talk for so long, I need to get it off my chest. I just need to just just let it out there. Just need to all come out. But once again, we need to talk more about... The threat of a worldwide worm attack. We've talked about this a little bit, but more and more and more. The threats are becoming more more and more real. The potential of a a massive attack. So once again, I'm going to say... Update your windows. Chat is still focused on workstation talk. <laughs> we are just dead set on workstation talk. The important question about the Mac Pro though is not addressed. Does it have a headphone jack? Yes. The Mac Pro does have one headphone jack. Which is 100% more than most other Apple devices. It has one rear headphone jack, which does not make it better. (laughs) So yes, update your windows. Here's another weird one. App or Apple. That's what happens when you talk for an hour about Apple. You see a company name and it just becomes Apple. Apple, 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 Apple. Google! Google confirms that there was an advanced backdoor that allowed devices to become pre-installed with a vulnerability. Now, if you're staring at your phone and wondering... Is your phone vulnerable? Is the government watching me? The answer is probably not. The Google phones that were affected were the Lego the the the, the, the excuse me. The the Lego M5 Plus, the Lego M8, the Nomu S10 and the Nomu S20. Only those four phones were affected by this vulnerability. So, if you're like the 95% of you that went, those are phones? Then you don't need to worry about this. Most people don't need to worry about this. This is just fascinating. 
this is absolutely fascinating the fact that there were manufacturers that intentionally let vulnerabilities get installed on phones. And keep in mind, these were not manufactured by Legu and Nomu. They signed this out to other manufacturers to do this. So with that, we move on. Did you know that Microsoft had a massive facial recognition database? Are you not surprised that they had a massive facial recognition database? Well, it's okay, because they kind of silently deleted it and swept any evidence of its existence under the rug. Their facial recognition database that had 10 million images. So that's mildly concerning. In fact, I kind of wonder if that's why uh, my little Microsoft cam, whenever it was plugged in, just always had the light on. Well, if Microsoft was trying to use my Microsoft cam to capture facial recognition data, I hope they enjoyed the super close-up of my Dragon Quest slime plushie. And I hope that its face helped their database. Maybe actually all that images of that caused them to just delete their database, just going, yep, this is shot. Did I single-handedly destroy this database? Yeah, probably not. That's crazy talk. So there you go. One more reason not to trust not to trust them. You want another reason not to tr- not to trust anyone? Uh, the Quest Diagnostics says that they had an eleven point nine million patient database breach. Yes, Doctor, patient confidentiality is now dead. For at least just shy of 12 million people. Wonderful. Wonderful. This is kind of one of those reasons why whenever I plan any sort of database... I usually try to come up with some sort of way to make sure that the database has no access to the internet. It's this stuff. It's this kind of nonsense right here. Oh, yeah, having your database online and have access to everyone is all nice and all, but it leads to this sort of stuff. And when you have something as important as patient data, you might want to treat it a little more securely. And unplugging that Ethernet cable to the outside world is one nice way to prevent that. Internal networks, people. They are not the worst idea in the world. And don't even tell me that it's all a cost-saving measure to make so that hospitals would not need to have giant server racks. Oh, they have giant server racks. I have to deliver linen to these hospitals. And... <laughs> Down in that area, you hear the hum. You hear them through the walls. And don't even try to tell me that's the HVAC system. I know the tone of server fans. 
you never forget that tone. Is it bad that I can recognize the difference between an HVAC fan and small Delta fans for rack mount servers? Now, nah, well, all right, here's one of the other big stories. First was the Apple news. Now let's talk about Google Stadia. Yes, Google couldn't wait until E3 to talk about Stadia. So we pretty much know almost everything about it now. Google Stadia will launch with a bunch of games. I'm not even going to bother with the titles they mentioned. Because that's that's honestly boring. That's important to some of you, but to me it's not. I want to know performance. And also the pricing. Google is still insisting that their cloud gaming platform can still pump 4K gaming with 3.1 surround sound. But here's the kicker. They're saying for that 4K gaming experience, you only need a 3, I'm sorry, a 35 megabit per second download speed. But for a 1080p gaming experience, you only need a 20 megabit per second download speed. And keep in mind, this is 60 frames per second. I'm sorry, I I find this very hard to believe. Like, everyone else is taking this at face value. They are convinced that this is right. I just, really? We have a hard enough time trying to stream 5K, mo- or I'm sorry, 4K movies on a 50 megabit per second connection. And you want to tell me 60 frames per second 4K gaming is possible with 35 I am very, very skeptical that this is going to work. And one thing we did not hear at all is the input lag. The only info we got was the first time they talked about this where they said, it's acceptable. Acceptable for who? Exactly. Hmm, I I just, I don't know. But they did reinforce, once again, you'd be able to use whatever controller you'd want as long as it uses some kind of standard. So more than likely, your Xbox controller will work, your PlayStation controller will work, your Switch controller will work, but my Steam controller, my lovely, forgotten... Tormented Steam Controller will more than likely not see any love through Google Stadia. It's okay. It's okay, Steam Controller. I'm the only one in the world who who still likes you. Literally no one else does. The 
The other surprise, though, is the devices it'll work on. It'll work on any PC that runs a Chrome browser. It'll work on any laptop that runs on a Chrome browser. It will supposedly work on any tablet. It'll work with on any TV with a Chromecast. But it will only work on the Pixel 3 phone. Yeah, that means higher-end phones, if it's not a Pixel 3, Stadia is a no-go for you. Period. End of story. The pricing is also very surprising, actually. So... For $130, straight up, you can pre-order the Founders Edition, which doesn't look anywhere near as cool as NVIDIA's Founders cards. It'll include a Chromecast Ultra, a limited edition Stadia controller, two free three-month Stadia Pro passes, one for yourself, one for someone else, first dibs on your screen name, and Destiny 2, the entire collection. In a related story, Destiny 2 announced it's going free to play for everything except the latest expansions. Hmm. Hmm. So then, Stadia Pro, the um, the Stadia controller itself is seventy dollars, which to me seems a little high for the controllers. Most controllers I've played with are about fifty. Seventy seems a bit high. I think my Switch Pro controller actually was like, how much did I pay for the Switch Pro controller? I think that that was like sixty bucks, and I think that was the most expensive controller I bought. But now for the actual base prices. Stadia Pro, which gives you access to 4K HDR 60 frames per second game streaming with 5.1 surround sound, is $10 per month. You can do 1080p game streaming for free. But, you have to buy the games. The games are currently speculated to cost about the same as console games. So, about 60 bucks for AAA games. The pricing model of this is actually very surprising, to say the least. Like, let's be honest... A lot of you, like myself, were expecting this to be, like, a $25 to $35 per month subscription with, like, a Netflix access to certain games, right? 
you expected like pay an amount per month and get a catalog. That's not the case. You are in fact buying your games. But when you buy your games, they are only digital in the cloud. Which does pose a lot of risk. This isn't like, let's say, let's pretend we live in a world where Nintendo is not... Sorry about that. Let's pretend we live in a world where Nintendo is not successful. Let's pretend in that world the Switch comes out. Everyone doesn't know whether it's going to succeed or not. And then let's pretend the Switch flops. And two years down the road, the Switch dies. Those of you who went and bought the Switch can, at the very least, if you ever have the urge to go play those games again, can still find a Switch on the used market and play those games. On Stadia, on the other hand, if Stadia is unsuccessful, there is no hardware for you to buy. Those games, those games you just paid money for, are lost forever. Every game you buy, you are basically putting money and having faith that Stadia is going to be around for as long as you want to play that game. Now, if you know me as the hardware paranoid guy that I am, you know I have exactly zero faith in that being the case. I have zero faith that someone else is going to have the hardware up for as long as I'd want. And a lot of you who have ever been on an MMORPG that eventually died off have those same fears. So that's where I stand on Stadia. I think the pricing is both good and bad at the same time. And I don't know if it's going to succeed or fail. And I'm actually having a very hard time getting a read on what the average person thinks about this. What about you guys out there? What are your thoughts? I actually do encourage you, email me, eaglefalcontech at gmail.com. We'll read those off. So we're going to take a quick break here. When we come back, the phone news and a little peek into E3. Welcome back, Eagle Eyes on Tech. So, there's a lot of phone rumors going around, and a lot of phone news. Already we're getting renderings and looks at the Note 10. There's more and more evidence coming out 
that the Note 10 might actually kill the headphone jack. We have a render from OnLeaks showing that it's going to be a USB 3 based device. Obviously, it's looking very sleek, very slim, almost completely borderless display. The hole punch for the camera is going to be in the top middle of the screen. I actually don't like that, like, at all. But no headphone jack. Physical buttons, however, are there. But one thing that is missing is the Bixby button, which would uh, be nice. It'd be nice. And these renderings are based on leaked CAD files. I will say I wish that hole punch for that camera was in the upper right corner. I am also surprised that it's a single front-facing camera in that hole punch. Because if you remember, the S10 Plus had two cameras facing front, which led to some hilarious backgrounds of, say, Bender. And having his his eyes be exactly where the cameras were. Or Kim Jong-un looking through binoculars and having the tips of the binoculars be exactly where the hole punch were. So it's kind of surprising we're only going with one here. Hmm. Weird. We'll see how that goes. Facebook is introducing... Oh, God, I don't even know what to call these. They're calling them avatars and a Bitmoji competitor. The ability to customize an avatar as though you were on a very early MMORPG and use that as emojis. Oh, I just... I'm getting really annoyed by this sort of thing because it's supposed to compete with the Apple's Memojis. The Memojis, which I, by the way, I hate that name. I hate that name with the fiery passion of a thousand foreman grills. The Memoji. It's like you're trying to say meme, but I digress. The ability to make freakish avatars and then use the facial recognition camera to, to animate them in horrifying ways. But at least these things do have a lot of customization options. And I'm sure there's going to be people out there that like them. I, for one, would be happy to live in a world where people aren't making horrific characters and using them as emojis everywhere. It is just getting... It's just getting annoying. Xiaomi has successfully made an under-screen camera. So we're talking before about the notch, having cameras that 
that just take out a chunk of the screen because Apple's now created this world where everyone, underline, everyone, needs to have a screen that goes all the way to the edge of the phone so that the sides of your thumb can accidentally trigger things on the screen. And yes, I still have that problem and it drives me nucking futz. Well, Xiaomi has created a phone that is all screen, no notch. And what it does is that when you want to take a take a picture with the camera on the front, it turns off all the picture pixels under the screen and lets the camera capture under the screen. Because one thing about OLED, it's transparent. You can just turn off the pixels and see right through it. There's some interference and it's not completely transparent. It's like translucent. But Xiaomi has found a way to get it transparent enough that they can take a picture through it. So it's been proven now. You can do it. And it's not going to be long before, most likely Xiaomi, but someone creates a phone that has an underscreen camera and it's not just a prototype demo that Xiaomi has. That's going to be something that's going to be, I would say, prominent at next year's Mobile World Congress. Everyone's going to try and do better iterations of this. And I know it's going to be in somewhat bad taste to say it, but I'll, I'll just predict it. Huawei will be the first company to have an underscreen camera. Because they stole it from Xiaomi. I'm sorry, but it probably will be. Uh, let's see the picture quality. Um, does my article actually have the picture quality? The picture quality was not bad. The article I have here does not have it. I'm sorry. But it wasn't great. But it wasn't bad either. It was acceptable. I would not call it photography grade. Facebook is prohibiting Huawei from pre-installing its apps. So yes, on the whole train of what's going on in the world of Huawei as Huawei is put into an awkward place in the world by being a company credibly accused of stealing intellectual property and also accused of spying on people on its user base. Facebook hopped on the bandwagon and forbidding Huawei from being able to pre-install Facebook, Instagram, and WhatsApp. In a related story, the security on Huawei has instantly increased by not having Facebook, Instagram, or WhatsApp on the phone. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, but... I have a very hard time looking at this article and saying... Wait, what's the problem again? 
I think Facebook should make this a policy. No one should be able to pre-install Facebook, Instagram, and WhatsApp. You have to actively go and install these three pieces of spyware onto your computer. I mean apps. Onto your phone. I like this idea. I think I think more phone manufacturers should, should follow in this example. Just don't pre-install Facebook, Instagram, and WhatsApp. Who's with me? I, I like this idea. All right. In other Huawei-related news, Russia has signed a deal with Huawei to build 5G networking. So, where Huawei lost a lot of business with the U.S. in the current trade negotiation and also possible punishing because of the alleged spying going on, they have now gained, because Russia signed a deal with Huawei to do this, whether it's to actually better the internet or just out of spite to the U.S. I I would go with either or. I could see Russia doing either or both. They might have just looked at it as a big win-win. At the same time, Google is arguing that cutting Huawei off from Android can in fact threaten U.S. security. Here's my question to Google. I see where you're coming from, and I actually agree. Where was this talk weeks ago? Like, seriously. This is something that should have been brought up literally weeks ago. I'm really annoyed by this. I should be happy about this because it is logic being injected into a conversation that needs logic and reasoning. But this is logic and reasoning that's coming in late into the conversation. (sighs) I I need to talk about something else. Huawei just actually is just like, it's one of those topics that everyone wants to know about. But it just raises up a lot of uninformed points. It's it's a topic I'm always scared to talk about. Let's talk about something that isn't controversial. Like the fact that NVIDIA might be creating a GTX 2070 Ti. Oh, wait, that is con- controversial, isn't it? Ooh. Huh. That's a... Hmm. So... The current NVIDIA line is in a weird spot. Because all the cards introduce amazing technology in real-time ray tracing. But the cost is now so astronomically higher, even though the performance is there, it still kills the performance per dollar equation. And it's actually made what should be an exciting time to be a PC gamer 
kind of a time where every PC gamer is looking at their wallet and going, oh. Now, this rumor actually could be good news. The rumor says that the price of the RTX 2070 could be going down. And that the price of this RTX 2070 Ti, which will be a higher end card than the than the 2070, will take the place of the current RTX 2070. And the only reason I said the GTX 2070 Ti earlier was because this article from WCCF Tech made the silly mistake and got past the editor to say the GTX 2070 Ti. Whoops. Now, that being said, the 2070 is not a bad card. But it is way too expensive. I would actually argue that any card above the RTX 2060 is way too expensive for its own good. But that is the reality of where we are right now. There are also rumors going around. People in the chat are saying, wait until next gen. And I wouldn't say wait until next gen. I would definitely say wait until Navi. For this exact reason. For the exact reason this rumor just said. That the price of existing NVIDIA cards are going to go down to compete with the AMD cards. And that's a and that's good. That needs to happen. AMD needs to compete with Nvidia. Just like AMD needed to compete with Intel to bring Intel prices down. And that's already starting to happen. Speaking of AMD, AMD and Samsung announced that they're going to be partnering to potentially bring Radeon graphics to higher-end smartphones. Except for the part where AMD graphics right now are kind of in the spot where the performance per watt is not there, and really they just generate a whole lot of heat. You know what? I want to see where this is going. I want to see this. I want to see... If, if this is now going to require fans inside, quote-unquote, gaming smartphones. We've already seen one have a fan in it. I want to see if this causes more of them. Th- this, this is going to be entertaining. I'll sit out of this. You guys go ahead and, like, any of you who want to go and get an AMD-powered smartphone, you know, you go you go for it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sit on the sidelines on this one and just watch with a grin on my face. This is going to be entertaining. Almost as entertaining as robotic IKEA furniture. IKEA is reportedly working on furniture powered by motors to change the shape of a space so you can reutilize a space better. Now, someone in the chat asks, how many of those actually went through? Uh, Which ones? How many of what actually went through? 
But back onto the IKEA furniture. The thought process here is to have low-cost furniture to make your small studio apartment that's way too expensive because that's the world of apartments nowadays to be able to serve multiple spaces. Like, for example, let's take the room I'm in right now. Let's pretend I didn't have a second bedroom that I actually sleep in. I You could go and get furniture so that this desk and everything could slide forward to reveal the bed you sleep on. There's also been concepts of this before that have had panels move to reveal, like, say, a dresser and that sort of thing. Just like with the push of a button, all the furniture moves itself to change a room from a... um. To, cha- to change a room from, like, say, a bedroom to a kitchen to a more dining room area to a living room type type of situation. That sort of thing is what IKEA is working on. And that could be very interesting. The real thing I'd want to know is how much will this cost? And that we don't know yet. We'll see where this goes. We'll see. We'll see. Reports talk about how Blizzard has canceled a StarCraft first-person shooter. Now, honestly, I was going to let this article just kind of slide... Because at first thought, I, I thought about why would anyone want a first-person shooter of an RTS game? Like, that's never been done before. And then I thought about it for a second. And I remember at least one instance where it has. Too technically, if you want to consider World of Warcraft a quote-unquote first-person shooter with massive air quotes as as compared to Warcraft. Neo Gunner in the chat corrects me by saying Warhammer 40k. That's true. War, I, I'm wrong there. But there's one in particular that I remembered. Do you remember Command & Conquer Renegade? Command and Conquer, if you don't know, was one of the very first RTS games. The company that made Command and Conquer actually did make the very first RTS game. Renegade actually was a very crude first person version of Command and Conquer. And maybe Blizzard finally realized that Renegade wasn't that great. Like, I'll be real honest. I've played Command & Conquer Renegade before. 
it is not good. <laughs> it is, even if you kind of remember, she's like, oh, that was kind of a cute little thing. You go back and play it. It's not good. It is nowhere near as good as you think it was. It was cute. And I have a feeling that that sort of same realization might have happened with a StarCraft first-person shooter. They thought they were going to do this this whole thing. It's just like, oh, yeah, it's it's like StarCraft except you're on the field and all that jazz. And then they just realized, oh, wait. This was done before. And it sucked. I have a feeling a similar conversation happened here. That being said, though, I mean, Blizzard does need to come up with some kind of game for its fans. Because, let's be perfectly honest, and you in the chat uh, does say that the the first iteration of the the 40k uh, first person shooter was also pretty bad. Yeah. But back to my point. Blizzard does not have a great track record right now. World of Warcraft's popularity is very quickly dying out as they've just kind of watered down their own experience they had going. That's raking in less and less and less. Blizzard just went and just literally stabbed, well not literally, but figuratively stabbed every single Diablo fan with their terrible, underlined, terribly planned and outsourced Diablo Immortal mobile game that was outsourced to a half-baked Chinese game company the tracker is not good right now for blizzard the only thing they've done right recently is overwatch and the new game smell is gone from that as well That's looking less and less like a very pretty distraction. I wonder, Blizzard. What's your plan? We do have a rumor from Kit Guru as to when the Steam Summer Sale will happen. Their rumored start date will be June 25th in the morning. Which is good news. You know, it's good, it's good to know about when the Steam Summer Sale is going to happen so you know when to, when to hide your wallet. But the thing that actually caught my eye about this article is Kit Guru's um, terrible headline their headline no joke is 
The Steam Summer Sale will kick off later this month. No! You mean that famous summer sale that Valve does every year, some point in June, is going to happen at some point in June? Shut the front door. No way! Oh, for crying out loud. I'm just losing more and more faith. In, in, in the ability of people to write headlines. Walmart is reportedly working on a grocery delivery service. All stores will currently have the ability for you to pick groceries online on the Walmart app. So you can come in and just pick it up. And soon we'll be launching the ability to deliver it directly to your home. As even Walmart is taking more and more steps to kill retail stores entirely. Like, that's the thing that stands out to me the most about this. It's Walmart, the biggest freaking retail space in, in the U.S., at least. And they are going out of their way to kill the ability. <laughs> to, to pretty much kill the demand for people to even go into their own stores. It seems a little weird. <laughs> Neil Gunner in our chat asks, wait, will they deliver to my truck? You know, that is a very good question. Will Will they be willing to actually go ahead and deliver... To, to say someone on the go. I mean, let's say, let's, let's say, what's another example that doesn't, invo- that doesn't involve trucking? Let's say I'm at a park. Let's say I, I let's say there's there's a big get together and I forgot half the stuff because I am I am a complete doofus. That's a realistic scenario. I forgot like almost all of the food. Can I quickly order the stuff from from Walmart and will they just have someone deliver it right to the park? That's the same sort of scenario. I'd have no address to give. It'd just be this park. There's a question for you. Amazon is also planning to open up some pop-up shops in the UK. While at the same time they're opening up these 10 pop-up shops... For just various little this and that, Amazon is also trying a new drone design to deliver packages of five pounds or less. Okay, I get it, Amazon. You're trying to cover all the bases. You want people to be able to show up at your front door to go pick up stuff, but you also want... 
to go ahead and and deliver the stuff to. Actually, for that fact, you know, here's another question. This, actually, this would be really entertaining. Back on the whole concept of delivering groceries to a trucker who's at a rest stop. Like, as Neil Gunners explained to, to other people in the chat, it actually is a big issue because it takes a lot to move a big rig. And to go move a couple of blocks down to, like, say, a grocery store just to go stock up your mini fridge is a real hassle. And also, as he's also pointing out, healthier. If you order this stuff with Prime Air, does that mean they'll send multiple drones? Will just, like, a swarm of Amazon Prime drones just, like, hover in and, like... (laughs) I'm just imagining the drones, like, gently landing, like, your various little five-pound bags on, like, the hood of the truck... (laughs) To deliver the stuff. Oh, that would suck, actually. Because a lot of the truck hoods are really sloped for aerodynamics. They just, like, land, and they just, like, slowly fall. Oh, that'd be a terrible idea, actually. The more I think about this hilarious idea, the worse it sounds. But I do like the idea of of an armada of drones to fulfill a grocery order. Just, like, coming in to deliver the stuff. So we'll see how that goes. And now for the last burb, the last story of the day, the weirdest story of the day. And you could argue with me whether it's the weirdest or not. I thought this was kind of odd. Because it makes me wonder why. Ikea is working on an experimental new collection for furniture. The ability to make custom wrist rests for people who are at their computer. What they will do is that you take a picture of your wrist. They will then 3D print a wrist rest custom fit to your wrist so that your wrist can rest while you're using a keyboard and mouse. So, a lot of people don't know this, but um, when I was watching uh, Shark Tank with the family, I used to play a small little game with any of the sales pitches for any of these entrepreneurs trying to get an investment. The game I would play was called, could I put you out of business with a 3d printer is whatever idea you have. Could I put it out of business with a 3d printer? In this case, the literal business model is a 3D printer, is just the product of a 3D printer. The only thing IKEA has that would prevent me from putting this on a business is the fact that they have the software to turn 
my picture into a custom wrist rest. And only a wrist rest. This is the other part. Why couldn't you make other things? Oh, wait, no, I'm sorry. The first sentence of this also says, They announced plans to 3D print your butt. Oh. That's comforting. Thank you very much for listening to this podcast. I also encourage you to please listen to our weekly podcast, The Early Bird Briefing, which you can find wherever you found this podcast, on iTunes, on iHeartRadio, on pretty much every single podcast source out there. And also and also feel free to check out my Twitch page at twitch.tv slash eaglefalcon. Take care, and I hope you have a great day. You know, on second thought, could IKEA just actually team up with Google, just take the information that that uh, Google has about me, which is probably more than I ever want to know, and just make custom rests for every part of my body? You know what? That's actually a terrible idea, too, because at that point, IKEA can just make a custom form and casing for me so that they could just easily haul me away for who knows what. You know what? I don't want to live in this future anymore.